Good morning, everyone. Good morning, leprechauns and people that like green stuff. <laughs> you guys ready to stand up today and worship with us? All right, let's just um, let's open a prayer this morning. 
Lord God, you know, we just want to invite you and welcome you in your house, Lord, just uh, welcome you in our hearts. More than anything else, you know, you don't need an invitation, you know, so just uh, just fill us up today. You know, we, we know that, 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 you're, that you're good and you're ever-present. You know, we know that you're here to bless us today, Lord, so just open our hearts to, to whatever the, the message is. You know, sometimes, you know, Jack doesn't even know what he's going to say sometimes, and, you know, and it's just, uh, he's, he's, he's just being led by your word, Lord. We know that. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. 
could just be seated where you are right now. Today is the day where we're going to celebrate uh, communion, and um, and as we, what a fitting day to go ahead and celebrate communion as we are just past, uh, just in that first section of Lent, um, beginning on the 6th, we had uh, our Ash Wednesday, which is known in the uh, Christian community, and it's also very fitting, in case you don't know, being that it is uh, St. Patrick's Day. Um, and some of you may say, what? What does, that have to, what does communion have to do? Is it green communion wine? No, it's not. Um, but um, but we, I'll explain, hopefully, a little bit of that uh, in a small portion of the day. But what we do recognize is now Lent is a series of preparation where we get ready for Easter. We're moving toward Easter. In the early church, it was a point of where converts would come and be, um, be baptized on Easter into the Christian faith. And so... Um, in that, and during this season, we recognize when Jesus was at that last supper, and he took the bread, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat from this, all of you. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and it was a Seder meal, so there was many cups, but many scholars believe it probably would have been the cup of redemption at that point. And he began to pass that around to his disciples. And said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood uh, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So he changed something that had been there um, for years since the time of Moses. And in doing so, uh, we look at what he did. And, and the part of the brokenness of the bread in the Seder meal is usually called the Afrokomen. And it usually means, I have come. The section that means, I have come. Um, and they, in the Jewish faith, they actually go hide a section of it and have the youngest per, uh, kids go try to find it. Um, and so what we recognize is, as Jesus said, I have come, but a few hours later, he would have been crucified and buried and been hidden away for a bit. But what he reminded us is that his, uh, the, the cup of redemption means that he came to redeem us, to take all the stuff, the sin that separates us from God and, and bring us together. So actually, every time we take communion, we are recognizing why Jesus came. He said, I have come to redeem you. And that's the main purpose. And so when it comes to communion, we look at this and we go ahead and we, uh, we say, God, you know, uh, we recognize these are ordinary elements, but your, your, your mystery of your, your presence meets us here in this. And so we recognize you have come to redeem us. So God, in order to do that, we need to recognize that we need some redeeming. And so um, there's some things that we, we need to recognize. Number one, we've got to deal with God. We either deal with him now or we deal with him at the end of time. That Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we say, who are you and who is Jesus to me? We also recognize in our own faith, in our own life, we, we stop and we begin to ask the, the question, where have I missed the mark of what God intended? Where are those areas in my life that aren't perfect? Anybody got them? I got some to share if you need some, all right? There's some areas where I've missed the mark. That's what sin means. It's an old archery term that just means miss the bullseye. And how many of you, many of us have missed the bullseye of what God intended? And so we have that. The other thing is that uh, do you have some people in your life that you don't mesh with very well? You may be sitting next to them. Don't raise your hand. Don't breathe, okay? <laughs> if you do, but guess what? 
If you said, God, I have forgiven all I can, and it's a great day because we're going to deal with the words of Christ. And the first one he said was, Father, forgive them. So we're going to talk about that today. If there are people in your life that you need to forgive, but you don't have an ounce of forgiveness left for them. You know what I mean? You don't have any part of you. You got to just say, hey, God, Lord, I have done more than I possibly can. I need you to step in now, and I'm going to turn it over to you and see what God does. Through the act of communion, I've seen people whose children were murdered forgive the people who murdered them. And that's a real story. And she shared that testimony many times to the point where I've heard that story and been like, I don't know how you do that. And she says it's only by the grace of God, right? So what do I have in my life that i got to hold on to? It's so important that may keep the presence of God from coming into my life the way I need to. So what we say here is, Lord God, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on your church here and upon these gifts, make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed and set apart by his precious blood. Father, make us one with each other. It's interesting that the grain cannot remain a single grain in order to make bread. Nobody put peanut butter and jelly on a grain, a piece of grain. So God, we need to sometimes press ourselves out so that we can meet the needs that you have us to do. Same thing with the grapes. The grapes needed to be pressed out in order to bring grape juice and wine. So God, here we are. We ask that you do that to us in this process. That you, ha- you press out what is ever keeping you away from us or keeping that wall that we've placed up so that God, we can have newness and a new anointing in your life. God, heal hurt and heal resentment. Heal all those things. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. So um, I'm going to ask the, uh, the servers and the worship team to come up. I'll serve them first. of Christ is broken and given to you. Our Lord's body is broken for you. Body of Christ is broken and given to you. The blood of Christ shed for you. The Lord's blood shed for you. Christ poured out for you. And for many, the forgiveness of sins, the blood of Christ shed for you. Jesus poured out and shed for you. Our Lord's blood poured out for you. For many forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ shed for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The Lord's blood poured out for you.
All right, so a um, couple things here that we want to do. We always, um, thank you. Um, though, a couple other things that we want to share is that um, we have three areas um, that are here. And, um, and so we also have it open for you to give offering. If you're visiting, we don't expect you to do that. You're our guest today, and we want you to just bask in the presence of God. But the main thing is just keep in mind that you, you want you got to deal with those things. You're dealing with some stuff. Many of us are. But as you come, come to the Lord and recognize what it might be like to come into the presence of Christ himself right here. And as you do that, recognize that you can pray around here if you'd like to, if, if you need some help, um, if there's anybody who needs some help uh, getting uh, being served and can't walk or whatever, just kind of raise your hand. We'll make sure we serve you. Um, but, but just also really, really let Christ talk to you in this, in this point. So, I mean, we have plenty of time to talk to each other, and that's great. But continue that atmosphere of worship and continue just to let the Lord minister to you in this time, this time uh, where, we, where we come to his table. Also, we recognize that, that we have certain weed allergies and stuff. There is gluten-free over here. If you're over here and you want to get uh, that, it's just come over here. What we ask is that people come from this side down and around, and we'll start in the back, and from the back here and down and around here, and the same thing that side and down around here. But take your time. This is for you and Jesus just to get together. Please come to the table.
precious Redeemer. Seems now I see Him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding for sinners. receive the Lord's Supper, who are forgiven and, and redeemed, may we recognize that each and every day of our lives, and may we celebrate that. And may we be for the world, the body of Christ, to the, for a world that so needs it. Amen? All right. So at this time, we're going to let our kids go to our, our uh, kids, Haven Kids, and I want you to just say, we should celebrate, because we got something good, right? After communion, celebrate with some people and say hello.
All right, a couple announcements I want to touch on very quickly uh, due to time and other kinds of things. I want to make sure that everybody goes ahead and has one of these and reads these. We have some uh, pertinent announcements. I always want to welcome any visitors um, and just say thank you. We're glad that God brought you here, and we hope that, um, that you feel comfortable and just can really connect to the Lord. Um, Parish Foundation uh, dinner is today, and our youth will not be meeting. They will be going to the Parish Foundation um, today as well. The women's group is going to... Um, they're asked if you want to be interested. If you're interested in that, Tuesday nights here at Haven, um, f- they're going to do, be doing the best yes, which begins this Tuesday. Books are available, and you have some information to contact there if you'd like to be part of that women's group. Um, again, continually remember, grief share, always on Wednesdays. And this Friday, Women Helping Women. So if you want to join here on March 22nd at 6.30 for appetizers and a craft project, they'll be making um, some cosmetic pouches along with other items for our sisters in Haiti, and you can find more information there if you're interested in that. Due next Sunday, we do still have some of the bread banks or the love loaves out there for Miriam's table. Um, We had the keepers with us last week, and so um, it's been a great ministry. You can see I was talking with her briefly about how she never, she went on a mission trip and never thought that God was going to do what he's doing, but it's it's amazing what's going on there, and that comes from all your help and contributions as part of that. Um, and then also, uh, Women's Sunday Morning Bible Study is March 24th at 8.30. They're going to be getting that. Uh, it's going to be uninvited by Lisa Turkis. If you want more information about that, Joanne Edwards is one to talk to. Or you, any of these, you can ask at info at HavenCC, and we'll get back to you with that information. And if you haven't updated, please go ahead and update your um, church database information. Um, also, on the back, if you look, the National Day of Prayer is um, being held this year on Thursday, May 2nd, and the theme this year is John 3, 34, love one another just as I have loved you, and there'll be more information to follow if, um, as uh, we ask you to pay attention to that. I know we are all looking forward to some May weather, amen, right? That would be great. Okay, our prayer request today, that um, we have one today, um, Joanna for prayers for Donnie, um, Jason and Matt to continue on the road to recovery, and we are thankful for God's leading there. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your uh, your communion today and celebrating your presence and all the things that you did, you have done for us and continue to do. And so, God, as um, as we continue in this service today, we just ask that your Holy Spirit fill the room and that you speak to us what you would have speak to us. We pray to you for victories in in recovery, um, and we we celebrate with those individuals that were lifted here today and everyone who's going through the, the, the better side of addiction, that they're recovering. And so, God, um, we know that uh, there are many other unspoken needs. There's people who've experienced loss and illness. And, God, we just ask that you be with them, meet every need. As uh, we celebrate this season, as we lead to Easter, that great celebration of where you rose again, that every time we come together should be Easter, as we are, uh, we are resurrection Christians. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody says amen.
Luke 23, 32 through 34. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to a place called the Skull, they were crucified. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. All right. All right. We are we are going to spend the la- next uh, six plus weeks, roughly, um, talking on a new series called "Famous Last Words." Um, there's a book that was written many years ago by Pastor Jack Hayford. Um, some of you may have heard of him. Uh, some of you may not have a clue who he is. It's all right. That's not the important thing. Um, but Pastor Jack Hayford um, wrote a book. It's actually been repackaged in a new name called "How to Live Through a Bad Day." Um, and what he does is he takes the seven statements of Christ on the cross and puts them into uh, how, how we can live through a bad day. Uh, and so um, we're going to cover at least six of those, including good, our Good Friday service. Our Good Friday service, um, how many have attended a Good Friday service here? It tends to be one of our fa- uh, the most popular services of the year, and um, it's just a great way to celebrate um, what Christ did for us in this, uh, and so, um, but basically, these seven statements, uh, Hayford kind of uses as a way to say, "Hey, if you're going through a, a bad time, a bad day, uh, that Jesus did too." Uh, and so, let me ask you: How many people have ever gone through a bad day? Anybody? How, some of you may be going through that right now. How many your bad days right next to you? Don't do that. No, um, they might be the reason why they're uh, why they're doing that. So, but um, we all go through. Uh, bad days at times, and, and we, I don't think anybody went through a worse day than Jesus. And so we can learn a lot from that. Our theme verse, which I don't have this one in your, in your uh, bulletin, but I want to show you this. This is from the New International Version, and it says this. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, um, the author, and I love this term, perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand, uh, uh, right uh, uh, hand of the throne of God. And so, what does this mean? It means that that um, I love the fact that it says he's the perfecter, because um, 
I don't know about you, but my faith's not too perfect. And that, that God is the author of that, and he wants to make it better. He wants to make that, that better in my life. And he wants to make my faith more perfect. And then the joy set before him endured the cross. If anybody has ever done any study or anything on the crucifixion, you know there is absolutely no joy in that at all. But what I, what I see here is that Jesus is going through this horrific time and this horrific day, and yet his eyes are on something joyful. Okay, Think about that. His eyes are on something joyful. And you say, well, Jack, here he's dealing with this torture, but he's thinking about something joyous. What is that? It's you. It's you. Isn't that amazing that you're the reason why he's there, and I'm the reason why he's there, and yet when he was there, the joy set before him was what he was doing for each one of us. That is an amazing, amazing thing, that the joy, that what, what Jesus went through on our behalf. And we hear that so much that at times we may be callous to it. And I think we may even have to ask God for forgiveness for our callous nature as we look upon him on the cross. But what I really wanted to show you is the verse um, in, in the message version. Because there's something that's really kind of cool about this message version. And this is going to be our theme verse from this. And it says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race we're in. And I love this section here. Study. Everybody say study. How many like study in school? None of us. Okay. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish and with God. And look at this. He put up with what? Anything along the way. So what's he saying? He, he's doing that. He put up with anything. Let's study it. And what did he put up with? The cross, shame, whatever. And he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. What's he doing right alongside God? Just kicking back saying, oh, that, that was bad. No, here's what's the cool thing that he's doing. Because of the joy you and me He's sitting next to God the Father, and every time you and I miss the, miss the mark, he says, he put up with everything. He says, Daddy, you don't understand. I do. You know, Jack's not that bad. Yeah, I know it looks bad, but he's not that bad. Get, hey, hey, look, he loves me. See my hands? I paid for it. Isn't that awesome? You should be a heck of a lot more excited about that. You better check the pulse of the person next to you, see if they're still around here. So we are going to talk about this the next six weeks. We are going to study how Jesus did that. And so when you have those bad days, we're going to have that. So what we recognize is Thursday night, he had his last supper, which we celebrate as a form of communion. And about 9 p.m., he was arrested, um, arrested by one, one of his own led those. He, it was a trial at night, actually a series of trials, which was illegal in Roman and in Jewish, uh, in Jewish faith and in Roman law. They had three trials um, before a, a few kings. He was tortured and beaten. At 9 a.m., he was taken out to the place of Golgotha, the place of the skull. Along the way, he had been beaten um, and scourged. I, we don't say whipped. Um, so much so that um, I, I've given several sermons on this over the years. But so much so that they, they had like a whip with like a cat of nine tails that had bits of, of glass and sharp rocks and bone that would just grab on and rip layers of skin out. He had that. Then he had to carry this large 70-pound uh, to 100-pound crossbar on him. Um, and then when he got there, they laid him down. They nailed uh, his hands and feet together, not to kill him, but to keep him alive as long as they could, um, even making it so that when he had to breathe, he had to either pull himself up on the nails in his hands or his feet. And he went through this. 
Um, and so right after they placed that crossbar that he had on the stationary bar, soon after that, as he was in place, he says these first words, which would not have been my first words to let you know. He says this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so what I want to say is, in your bad day and in your situations in life, this is the first thing that we need to do. We all need to do this. We need to embrace this. We need to start here. This is the first step that we need to do. We need to release hurt and pain that someone did to us. We've got to start there. And so the first thing that I want to do is to tell you this, and let me put it this way. We need to forgive everybody, everyone who is trying to ruin your life. Let me say it again. Forgive everyone who has tried or is trying to ruin your life. Now, right now, you're going through a list of people in your head, aren't you? Hallelujah. All right. You're doing that, and you're, you're, if you're like me, you're doing this, and you're saying, my gosh, what about that person? What about this person? And, you know, one of the things that's a problem with this is there are some people in life who seem to have taken a spiritual gift assessment and their spiritual gift is to ruin my life, right? Anybody there? That it's not written in the Bible, but they think my job, job is to mess with you and for every time I, you see me to think, oh gosh, here we come again and to get me to sin because I think all horrible things about them. Who's, who's with me here? I'm not alone, am I? Come on. Okay, some people are afraid to raise their hands. All right, so I know they're next to you. Just go with it, all right? So, but there are those people that do that, and they know it's their call, and they are good at their call, aren't they? Anybody talking today, okay? They are good at their call. And Jesus recognized, you know, this concept is so important that we need to hear it a lot. I've probably given more sermons on forgiveness than any other sermon that I've ever given uh, in my life. I guarantee a lot more than Song of Solomon. Um, but... We can never hear this too much. It's so important that Jesus put it in his pattern for everyday prayer. You realize that? that forgive those who trespass, uh, forgive trespasses of those who had tra passed trash. Remember that against me. Write that one. Okay? Yeah, we, we're so conditioned to say it. Our Father, we're out in heaven, right? So, but we, we have people that wrong us all the time. It could be a little thing. Like yesterday when I was standing in Walmart. Hallelujah. Um, I'm standing in Walmart, and I have two things in my hand. And the person in front of me is arguing, 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 arguing with whoever they're with and kids in there, and they have about 54 items. Now, I'll tell you, I was trying to be compassionate at first that when they put four, four, um, like 10 different things of cans up there, I'm thinking, all right, that's one item. I'll let them go, all right? But by the time you're getting there, and you're standing there, and you're looking at this poor girl behind there, you're like... Can you not count, right? And I'm offended by something that stupid. And I go up to the girl and I say, how often do people come through here and can't count to 10? And she goes, I'm sorry, sir, if it took too long. I said, no, honey, I'm sorry for you. I'm here five minutes. I feel bad for you, right? So I'm getting all messed up like I'm offended because somebody can't count to 10, which they really couldn't count to 10. You with me here, right? You're starting to boil right now, aren't you? And you wish that the flies of a thousand camels will be in their armpits, right? That's the kind of things that you do, all right? So anyway, forgive me, Father. Okay, so what we had, Jesus knew this was so important because every little moment of the day, every little moment of the day, there is forgiveness that needs to be extended. And there's forgiveness that we need to deal with. And this is why he said in Matthew 24, 
And then many will be offended. Actually, that term many actually means majority. Majority will, um, will be offended, will betray one another, and they will hate one another. Some of you say that. I found my life verse. Okay? That what it says, there will be a majority of people that will be offended. How many of you have ever been offended? Raise your hand high. Okay? All right. And they will betray one another. Anybody been betrayed? Yes. And they will hate one another. Anybody hate? I won't let you go there. You're going to get that yourself. But there are some people that you just are not fond of. In Luke 17, he says this. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come to you. So if you are trying to live your life to make sure nobody is offended around you and nobody does wrong around you, guess what? I'm going to give you a secret. You are going to lose that, that goal of life and you are going to be miserable because it is impossible that you're not going to be offended. It is impossible also that you will not offend somebody else. You know how many times in my life I've said something that meant well that somebody took it? So horrifically, and I became the Antichrist. Anybody with me? You see, the problem that we have in our life is we know we're going to be offended. We know we are going to offend people. And here's the problem. The big problem is this. When we hold on to unforgiveness, it doesn't harm that person at all. Not one bit. We think it does, that when they walk by us, we go... We give them the death stare, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Unforgiveness only keeps you bound. Someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping some, the other person will die. It doesn't work that way. There was a pastor one time that was giving a sermon on Good Friday about forgiveness. And during his sermon, he asked his congregation, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? About half of them lifted up their hands. He rephrased the question and said, how many of you want to forgive your enemies? Slowly, every hand in the congregation went up, except one little old lady. Her name was Sadie Hamilton. He stopped and he said, Miss Hamilton. He said, you know, how, how are you not willing to forgive your enemies, especially on this day of Good Friday where God really said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and forgive all. And Miss Hamilton replied and said, I don't have any enemies. We well, said, wow, the pastor was shocked, and he said, well, Mrs. Hamilton, would you mind please coming forward and really kind of sharing with us? He said, how old are you? She said, I'm 99 years old. He said, wow, 99 years old and no enemies at all. He said, please, please stand up and tell us how you did that and how, how a person can live without any enemies. And little Miss Hamilton stood up from her, her uh, seat and she smiled and she faced the congregation and said, because I outlived all those old biddies. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so if you live long enough, you may not have them, but that's the only case that you may not have them. But we know that Miss Hamilton probably had lots of enemies when she was uh, going through life. Yes, it's like drinking poison and hoping someone else will die. In uh, Proverbs 18, it tells us this. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of the citadel. What does this mean? We often try to destroy somebody by keeping our unforgiveness here. And we try to guard our hearts by changing 
and being something that we're not. And unyielding, have you ever been at a point where you do or you say something, you say, that's not me. That's not me. That's not who I am. And a lot of times it's because of some hurt or some unforgiveness or something else in your life, and you go ahead and you just lash out, and you're like, that is totally not me. Or you may even uh, do something completely different. That's that unyielding, like a fortified city. And it says a dispute is like barred gates, that you keep people and God and everything out from you. You know, it's really interesting. One of the fascinating things I remember, when I, um, when I was in the United Methodist Church, and they did this thing called musical chairs, where they would move pastors around often, um, uh, every, every so often. Um, they moved me, and you got, many of you know I served in Lewis. Great people down there. Um, but I was, I was licking a lot of wounds, and I was, I was hurt in that point. So I decided that when I first went to Lewis Church, I was not going to love anyone. I was not going to let anybody get close. And I was going to put these walls around me, and it was going to be... And that worked for about a month. And I was miserable. I was broken. I was more broken than I ever had been because that's not me. It's not me at all. And, and I couldn't be something because what I was trying to do is to protect my heart from being hurt. So I put a wall around it, which actually, which actually just kept the hurt in and hurt me more rather than being able to express that. Many of us have tried that and failed exactly like it says here in Proverbs. Now, one of the interesting things, I like history. I know some of you don't, may not. But one of the things, one of my favorite people in history um, is in the British monarchy. His name is uh, King Henry VIII, but I'm not going to talk about him today. Um, I just find him a fascinating character study. But I want to uh, share about in the 1700s, the British monarchy went through a civil war. And um, there was a, they were led by a person named Oliver Cromwell. Anybody heard of Oliver Cromwell? And Oliver Cromwell in 1649 led a group to overthrow the monarchy. And they did so, and they overthrew what they, what they called the Royalist Party and uh, King Charles I. And so they, they, there was uh, a number of people, 59 people, went ahead and brought King Charles I in, and they tried him on crimes against them. And these 59 people signed his execution, and they killed King Charles I. Now, this group ruled for 11 years, and then the Royalist Party came back into power and took back over. And their king happened to be King Charles II because he was King Charles I. What? Son, good job. You guys are getting this thing, okay? And the first thing he did, the first thing he did when he came to power was say, I want you to find all 59 of those individuals that signed my father's death and execution. And so what happened is, when he did that, they came back to him and said, well, we found several, but 15 are already dead. To which King Charles II said, not good enough. Go dig them up and bring their bodies in the courtroom, put them in the chairs, and this is what they did. They sat them there in a the chair, and they said, what do you have to say for yourself? Obviously nothing, okay? And they said, um, if you don't say anything, you're guilty, mm, okay, like that. And so they went ahead and said, they said guilty, and then he demanded that they take those 15 corpses along with the others outside and be hung on the gallows. True story. You talk about digging up the past, Right? You talk about, and it's a great illustration of what unforgiveness does to us. Something that is dead and buried is causing this thing in us. So we're not satisfied till we dig that buried thing up and make it deader. Right? 
It accomplished nothing. And it didn't make anything go away. They weren't any deader than before. They probably smelled a little bit worse. But so how do we get through a bad day? So what I want to do with the rest of this message is I want to I go ahead and these are some things that Jesus would say to us. And, um, and if, you, if you, you know, unforgiveness, it's trying to ruin your life. And you've you got to forgive those people. What would Jesus say about how to forgive people who are trying to ruin your life? Because on, in these 12 hours, Jesus dealt with five special things that I think that we all kind of deal with. And Jesus to, told us how to work through that. Are you ready? Here we go. There's a couple of these, and then we're going to touch on some other things, and we'll all be good. All right? The first thing is betrayal. Betrayal. One of his inner circle, Judas, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. That he, can you imagine that? You see a group coming, and you see this person, someone that you trusted in, someone that you shared intimate things with, someone that you loved and cared about. Some of you right now have in your mind that exact, maybe the similar situation. So betrayal. Betrayal hurts because our trust is gone. What about false accusations? You see, remember, Jesus' trial was illegal. And in, that, in those trials, um, you know, this is a tough one today, particularly in this world where you can just throw something out there. Hundreds or thousands of people see it and it's taken as gospel truth just because it's out there and you have no right to, to say it. It could be the biggest false thing you've ever heard. But if people believe it, it becomes that way. And this, you know, I mean, in life, it's amazing. Just in my little world, how many people, People have said things about me and done things, and it said I said things and did things, and, and it's amazing. Like every once in a while, something from, from 20 years ago will come up, and people say, didn't you do this? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Like if somebody wants to criticize something I've done, believe me, there's plenty of it. You can go ahead and find some stuff, but you know, the stuff that I haven't done, that aggravates me. You know, one of the things I always tell people I can't stand is lying and disrespect, and just lies comes from a, from a, negative, a super negative place. And so, honestly, I'm telling you today, there are actively people I have to forgive. I've got a list of about two or three right now that I'm actively trying to forgive in my life. And there were people who were paid to say false things about Jesus. And then on top of that, none of the disciples showed up to defend him and say, wait, wait, no, this is wrong. Not one of his inner circle showed up to do that. And so the next thing he dealt with was rejection. Rejection, and I got to tell you, particularly young people, you deal with, a, with a, a rejection and statements on social media more than I've ever heard before. Um, not only young people, but some of us older ones, we get some of that. But there is a brutality, and there's just this nature in, in our world today that just wants to cut and destroy people at any means and to, and to reject them and hurt them in more ways. And so when friends are supportive, we know that from the crucifixion that Jesus experienced abuse and, men, and the, the brutality of the crucifixion, the, the physical journey of where he's being beaten and spit upon and hit. Isaiah said that he was beaten beyond recognition, that we, we couldn't even recognize what he looked like. And for some of us, some of us may bear scars that aren't physical today, but are so deep in us because of whether physical or sexual or mental abuse that just does not go away. And it's there and it's there and it's there. And one thing that no, not one, not even the passion of the Christ has been able to depict in media is the one thing that when they hung people on a cross, they hung them completely naked. So what Jesus dealt with was humiliation. To completely humiliate him. Not only 
die from pain, but humiliation as everybody walked by and looked at what happened. So why did Jesus go through all that? Hebrews 2 tells us this. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. So when he came before God as the high priest, he's sitting right next to God, that he would already have experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and he would, I love this, be able to help where needed. So whatever you're going through, whatever you, wherever you have been wrong, here's what we, need, what we know. Jesus went through all that, not only to bring us back to the Father, but also that he could help the Father understand what we go through. And he could go on our behalf and do that. You see, one of the things I've learned is your feelings will not allow you to forgive. It is an act of the mind. You aren't going to feel like forgiving somebody. You're not going to feel it. But that is what gets it right. And so 1 Peter 4.1 sets the tone. And it says this. Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourself with the same way of what? Thinking that Christ had. The problem with our thinking is that when it comes to forgiveness, we've got it wrong. And there are a few things that I just want to share very briefly and quickly about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness, number one, is not, and this isn't in your bulletin, but it's good stuff, okay? Everybody got that? Hint, hint. So as you're taking notes, you are close to God when you're taking notes, all right? Um, So, just joking. All right, so it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not doing this. It's not when you forgive saying, oh, it's okay. It didn't really hurt. It wasn't anything. Just don't worry about it. It is not that. It is a big deal. There are some major big deals in this room of people that are dealing with unforgiveness because it is a big deal. So don't believe that. Here's the thing that you're going to rejoice about. It is not reconciliation. It's not always reconciliation. It's not. That is a goal, and I believe that the Father would love to see that. But it doesn't always mean that forgiveness is reconciliation because reconciliation is a dual dance. It's, one, it's, it's a, a two-player game. Forgiveness is solitaire. Forgiveness is an action that you extend. It has nothing to do with the person. I'm going to tell you, if you wait for somebody else to reconcile, to give forgiveness, it will rarely, if ever, happen. Forgiveness is about you forgiving them, not about them responding to you. It's not about doing this. It's not about being fair. What's fair? We kind of get to our little kid, don't we? That's not fair. Anybody have kids? They go, that's not fair. I don't like it. That's not fair. Guess what? I don't like any of this, to tell you the truth, right? I would love to hold grudges. Anybody with me? We could have a grudge support group. All right? So, but what are we saying here? It's not fair. Guess what? We don't want fair. When I look at what Jesus went through for me, that's not fair. And I do not want to have to pay for my own sin. That's not fair. And so if he could do that, then I better do something else. I love C.S. Lewis. Anybody love C.S. Lewis? I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Let me say that again. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. What that's saying is that there's no excuse for that. 
No excuse for how you treated me. No excuse for how you act. Because God has already forgiven the inexcusable me. That is powerful. Here's another thing you're going you're gonna to not like. It's not impossible to do. Some of us say, you do not know my family, Jack. You do not know that person I work with. Or maybe you do, and you should know why it's impossible. Correct? Anybody there? But it's not impossible to do. That is a lie from Satan. Because as I read this in Philippians 4, 13, one of my favorite verses ever. I can do some things, an occasional thing. I can do what? All things through him who strengthens me. So you say, okay, Jack. Okay. All right. Where does the strength come from? Where, where does the strength come from? It comes from trusting and hoping in Jesus. To the point where you say, I didn't know I could do that. I still tell you to this day. When, and it's amazing that we did communion today. And I still remember the day. When I, and, I, and forgive me if you've heard this story a billion times, but to me it's one of the best I've ever experienced. When um, a lady named Trixie, her son was murdered, and in a, she hadn't taken communion since that point because she had this unforgiveness in her heart. And, and I gave a sermon, and I was just running late from point A to point B. And in the midst of that service, we had like we did, I had the, I, and I, I didn't do it on purpose, but I was just like, I'm running late, so we're going to have the offering up here. And she said she wanted to give her offering. But she was saying, God, she said immediately those girls who took her son's life came into her mind. And she said she was in this point in her life, and I know some of you have heard this story from her, where she was just pulled and she stood up, and she's, I love how she says, she said she began to tap her teeth and nervous. And as she turned that corner and came up, she began to receive communion for the first time. And she said immediately as she turned the corner to go sit back down, she felt a forgiveness and a release that she never has before. And she began to pray for those girls who took her son's life. I got to tell you, I'm not there. But neither was she until God reached out to her and she made the step forward you know it's not about the reconciliation with those girls it's about her releasing and how God can do something that is impossible because he can do all things he can do all things all right so that's the first thing okay so what do we do after this what do we do how do we do this Jack how do we go ahead where does our strength come from here's some areas our strength comes from number one we pray for them pray for them Right now, um, you know, like, like one of those things, there's a time in life where, um, where like I was, I was really frustrated with somebody or some bodies. And I remember I came across this um, thing in Proverbs that says, oh, Lord, break the teeth of the wicked. I'm like, that's my prayer, right? <laughs> break those teeth, God. Smash them. Kick them. You know, right? Go, God. Yay. Woo. No, it's not like that. Okay? Pray for them. Begin to pray for somebody. This is what it says. Jesus said this. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. One of the most powerful things in a time where you're having uh, marriage conflicts is to sit people down. And if uh, I've done this occasionally, and I, uh, and I might say, hey, would you pray for him? They're like, now? I'm like, yeah. Would you pray for her? And it's like, oh, well, I want to pray for him, right? You know, that kind of thing. But it changes your heart when you begin to pray for somebody. So that's the first thing. Um, the next thing is, oh, and the thing about that is when you pray for them, they may never change, but it will change you. Okay? And number two, bless them. Bless them. Bless 
translated means to speak well of them. Now, you're like, all right, Jack, this, I don't like this. Guess what? Me neither. All right, but this, this is God. Take it up with him. Um, bless them. What does that mean, to bless them? To speak well of that person. Um, not to tear them down privately or even publicly. And I got to tell you, I don't like anything about this one. Because I can go to God and I can say, okay, God, I want to forgive them. I'm going to let them control me. But I can't speak well of them, God, because they're just a bad human being, right? And I've been known to do that. I actually took somebody to lunch one day and told them I thought they were a bad human being. But I paid for lunch, all right? So, uh, <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, I am faulty, okay? Um, but it was a good lunch, okay? So, but, you know, those, those kind of things that you have to do at times, there's certain people that when you see them, you may have forgiven them, but all that stuff about them because you know who they uh, depict themselves to be, you don't want to say anything nice about them. Am I right? You know, it's like the Sunday school teacher who said, hey, you know, what do you have to, she asked her Sunday school class, what do you have to do um, to receive forgiveness um, from sin? And the little boy raised his hand. He said, you got to sin, all right? So and sometimes we got to recognize that we sin, and so we got to go ahead and give that uh, to God. So when we don't speak good about somebody, we say, God, I'm sorry, I messed it up. I need to bless them. I need to bless them, Lord. I need to go ahead. Look at what this says in Luke chapter 6. It, um, yeah, Luke chapter 6. It says, uh, but I tell you, who hear me. Now see, so, well, that's important because some of you have already shut this off right now because you got somebody in your mind. You're like, no way, I'm not going there. Right? So, but I tell you who hear me, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. In Romans um, chapter 12, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You know, in, in my life, there's been times where I had my speech together where I was going to go ahead and tell somebody exactly what I thought, and I was going to do it with the love of God, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm going to tell them that if they don't watch out, they're going to burn in hell. That's a good one. Um, let me see. I'm going to tell them that they act like they're a Christian, but they're really not. I'm going to tell them that, they, that the way they treat their family, the way they treat people, I got it all together. And there's been times where God, where, I, where I've gone to them, and I'm so aggravated, and I'm ready, and I practice this speech. You know, I got it. I'm like, a, B, C, I got it down, and I go see them, and I, and, and I may go ahead and say, you know what I really appreciate by, about you is that, you know, you're always here. I'm like, God, that is not the speech. This is not the one, what, you know, the one where they're going to burn in hell. Let's, can we bring that one back? And you go, and you leave there, and you go, what in the world happened there? And God says, hey, I'm telling you, it's doing something much better than you running your big mouth, Jack, okay? You know, sometimes that's, that's what happens. So what do we need to do? We need to do good to them. Oh, no, this kicks it up another notch. Not only do I have to pray for them, okay, I can do that on my own, but I have to bless them and say positive things about them. But then I got to go ahead and I actually have to do good to them. This is too much, God. It's kicking it up another notch. Do something good for them. Jack, prove it to me. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, there's your precursor. That means it has to depend on you as much as it can. There are some people that it's never going to be good with, okay? There's some people that's going to happen. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Look at what it says here 
It continues, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. I, I found it interesting that that is, I felt kind of like Jonah at that time when, when he was going to Nineveh and he hated the Ninevites. And after he went, he hated him so much, he was like, throw me in the water and let me drown. And he ends up vomiting on a beach, which is not near Nineveh. And he has to journey all vomity and stuff to Nineveh. And he gets there, and he doesn't like the Ninevites. And then he preaches like God told him to do. And they repent, and they save their land. And he sits under a tree, and he's ticked off. And he says, I knew that you were a good God, and you are going to save them suckers. I want them wiped out. And I'm mad. I'm so mad I could spit. Right? He's furious. Because God did. Because he didn't like them. And there's some people in your life you don't like. There's some Ninevites in your life. That you don't want to go. You would rather be vomited on a beach somewhere. But it reminded me of today. And today we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And some of us have no clue what St. Patrick is about. But St. Patrick was a boy when he was 16 years old. He wasn't very religious. He would go to church. But kind of, he was more agnostic, if anything. Um, and he was minding his business in like Wales or one of those British areas. And he was hanging out with his buddy, and some barbarian raiders from Ireland came and took him and made him captive. And made him a slave to Miliuk and his people. And as he stayed with them over the years, he had some freedom, and he grew to love those people, and he became closer to God. And as he became closer to God, one day he was praying, and he had a vision of woods that he knew, and on the other side of the woods, there was a boat. And if he got to that boat, it would take him back to his home. And wouldn't you know that's exactly what happened? And when he got in the boat, he went back home. He didn't just say, thank God I'm home. Let's go kill those people. He went ahead, and he had a conversion in his life and became a priest. And meanwhile, around Rome, the barbarian invaders were around there. And he went to the pope and begged, can I be a bishop to go back to Ireland? The Pope finally said, yeah, go ahead. He went back to England, I mean, back to Ireland. And because he understood the custom and because he understood the nature of his captive people and because he knew who they were and he had a love for them and a forgiveness for what they did to him, he began to set up shop and he began to take a three-leaf clover and began to say, let me tell you about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he began to share with them and, the Kel and then even after he died, the Celtic people began to grow, and Ireland began to grow in faith and grow in faith and grow and grow and grow. Meanwhile, in Rome, they decided to close in and not reach out to their barbarian invaders, and the barbarian invaders attacked and sacked Rome. And wouldn't you know, the Celtic people from Ireland went to Rome and re-evangelized. Sometimes our forgiveness sets up that wall that we aren't reaching out to the people out here and it's destroying us from the inside when if we have a love for those, it can change the world. It can change the world. In Romans 12, it says, continues from our last verse, it says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, it will heat burning coals on your head. And some of you are like, yeah, I like that last verse. Burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno, right? That's what you're saying. But it doesn't mean that. Here's what it means. Back then, fire would, was, was like gold. And often when people didn't have fire, you want that the worth gold was a burning coal. 
And so if you're, he's saying if your enemy is without fire, take them and give them a burn, more burning coals than you, know, you even need. Give them a ton. It means do something good. It's, it finishes and says, do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a great life verse. I've shared this story before. I shared it through video, and uh, I may link it online, um, but I, I didn't want to show it today. But many of you may know the evangelist speaker, Joyce Meyer. And Joyce Meyer, several years ago, told a story. She started by telling the story that her father raped her over 200 times. 200 times. And she grew up with that, and they, were, they had a horrible, obviously, relationship because of that. And then she later went on and became Joyce Meyer Evangelist. And she said God gave her grace to begin that, that process of healing. Until one day God came to her and said this. Your, family, your parents are old and they need help. And I want you to move them down the, right near you in St. Louis. And she said, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. She said she actually rebuked it from the pit and said, this is not of God. She said God kept telling her, I want you to bring your parents to live right down the road from you. So she said, after years of struggle, she went ahead. She brought um, her father and mother. She actually bought them a house, took care of their needs. And for three years, her father was still as mean as a snake, she says. Just a vicious, hateful man. Until one Thanksgiving day, her mother called and said, I need you and Dave, your husband, to come over. Your father, has, there's something up with him. He's been crying for three weeks. I think I might know what it is, but you need to come over. They went into the house, and their father sat there, old in age, and began, and just was sobbing and sobbing. And he said, I am so sorry for all those things I did to you over the years. I, can, I cannot imagine. I've been wanting to say something, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to begin to do that with all the horror that I gave you over the years. And that moment on that Thanksgiving day, she forgave her father. She, brought, she share, shared Christ with him. He accepted Christ. And a few, three days later, she baptized him. A little while later, he died. And she says, it is only by the grace of God that I have been released into his power by the Holy Spirit that I am glad that my father is going to be in heaven with me. I not, do not know forgiveness that much. But I know it's only through Christ Jesus. Because Matthew 6, 14 says this. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't like that at all. I've been taught for years, you just confess and he forgives. But you know, in, it's the same thing in that Lord's Prayer. Jesus said the same thing. Forgiveness is extension of what we have. So here's what I want to share with you, simply this. As we wind this up today. Those who are forgiven, forgive. When you realize the depths of depravity that you and I have, 
and that Jesus forgave us. It allows us to be able to forgive. Now, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't, I want you to take you back. It doesn't make it all go away. That forget thing, that doesn't work all the time. But forgiveness is about you being free. And so what I'd like right now is if you please stand. I want you to be free. On this St. Patrick's Day, I want for you more than green clothes, shamrocks, and, and green beer. More than annoying parades. I want you to be free. And to be free to the point where you can go ahead and say this. Father, forgive them. Father, I'm going to forgive my father. Father, I'm going to forgive my mother. Father, I'm going to forgive that person who sits next to me at work. Father, I'm going to forgive my parents. Father, I'm going to forgive my children. Father, I'm going to forgive. You fill in the blank because we all got them. And number one you need to start with is, Father, I'm going to forgive me. Because you don't have the capability to forgive anybody else if you don't forgive yourself. And I'm going to tell you, guilt does not come from God comes from the enemy. And he came, remember, you can do all things, all things through Christ. St. Patrick's Lorica says, Christ before me and with me and all, all with me and all around me. May Christ be that for you. Let's pray. Lord God, here we are today on this day of St. Patrick's Day that we celebrate. Somebody who displayed an incredible amount of forgiveness for people who really ruined his life. Father, you gave an extended forgiveness for those who are ruining your life. The moment, as soon as they got you in place, you yell, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Oh, some of them thought they knew what they were doing, but they didn't fully know. And so Jesus, right now, we love you. There is none like you. Father, there is none like you. May we look to Jesus and study the example so that these things which I am holding unforgiveness can fall by the wayside so I can once again have an incredible relationship with you because you have so much planned out, but this wall of forgiveness, unforgiveness is in the way. So Jesus, I just pray that walls are falling down, lives are being healed, hearts are being mended, and it may take days or weeks or months or years, but today's the day I'm going to say I began to forgive you. I'm going to turn the corner of unforgiveness. Lord, this altar is open for those who need that. And ultimately, God, we receive the greatest forgiveness from you. We recognize that you are our Savior and you are our Lord. And that in you we have new life. So Jesus, here we are, broken as we are, seeking your, your desire. That where your desire, that the cross, when you were on the cross, the joy was on your mind was me. In all my brokenness and all my sin, I am the joy of your heart. So God, let me just shout all the more the love that I have for you and the forgiveness I receive. In your name we pray. Amen.
oldie but a goodie. Amen? Shout to the Lord. Isn't it awesome that you, you could really freak somebody out today by going and saying, I forgive you. And they'll be like, huh? All right. So go ahead. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. There is none like you. Amen? All right. Next week. Next week. Here we go. Can you see it over there? Um, we're going to help those who are in the struggle. Help those who are in the struggle. We'll see you next week. Say hello to somebody on your way out. God bless. Watching the nightly news, don't seem to find the rhythm, just wanna sing the blues.